This audio is brought to you by muslimcentral.com. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa salatu wa salamu ala nabina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. My brothers and sisters, in Australia and all around the world, Assalamu alaikum. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's peace be with you. Wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu and his mercy and his blessings upon you, your families, your friends. Today, inshallah, with One Path Network, I'm delivering a very important topic, a topic which we are so much in need of it right now, alhamdulillah. Especially in these trying times. The topic is how do I come back to Allah? Before I talk about how do I come back to Allah, I want to talk about how we need Allah first of all. And what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do in our lives to remind us that we need Him, to remind us to return? Why does He remind us? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not need us, brothers and sisters. We need Him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not need our worship. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not need our dua. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala believe it or not he just wants the best for us he wants us to value ourselves and the way we value ourselves and lift ourselves and fought and have the the honor which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestowed upon us is to connect with him brothers and sisters in this life people find their self-esteem and their value in different things without finding something that you attach yourself with to give you value then people feel that they're empty they're nobodies. Where do they belong? Aren't I talking the truth? Think about it. It doesn't matter what religion you are, what you follow. You can have no religion at all. You can be an atheist. You can be a Muslim or not. There's something instinctive within ourselves. And that is, as human beings, in our life, you need to find a purpose. To find a purpose, you need to attach yourself to something. That something will help you, give you value. Some people make it up. Some people convince themselves. Some people go towards things that are just useless and senseless, but to them, they will convince themselves that that's valuable to them because they feel important through it. But as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Shall I tell you about those who are the biggest losers in relation to their efforts in this life? They do all these deeds. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, They are the ones whose purpose in life and their goals in life went astray. They chose the wrong paths. They chose the wrong places to find their value in. It wasn't really their value, but rather their demise. While they assumed that they were actually doing something enormously good. My brothers and sisters, let us look. I want to begin with a few stories just to illustrate this concept, this principle. The story, the first one is that a few weeks ago, about three weeks ago, we had an earthquake here in Victoria. And this earthquake was a magnitude of 5.8, around 115 kilometers stretch. Around the world, this is something very normal and simple, probably. But in Australia, it was a huge deal. This, my dear brothers and sisters, was the first of its kind that we have felt. The tremor was amazing to us. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He tells us in the Quran that He sends signs to us every now and then in order to put a little bit of fear inside of us. This fear is not a type of fear which Allah is trying to use or manipulate in us. He is not afraid of us to make us afraid. But you see, human beings are emotional beings. We learn different things from the different emotions that we go through. When we fear something, we think, we think in different ways. When a person is complacent and sitting there with almost everything they think is coming to them, they get the wrong idea. They get the wrong impression. They lose their ways. In fact, I heard some people say that if they're people who've had their business successful or they have a lot of wealth or they seem to get what they want in life they start to assume that maybe Allah loves them haven't you heard that before 
They say, wow, you've got an amazing car, you've got a lot of money, you've got a good family, you have kids, you have a big house. Allah must love you. How did we know that? My brothers and sisters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not love people or show his love to people by how much wealth he has given them or how many blessings he has given them. My brothers and sisters, the blessing is really inside. It's in our soul. It's in our heart. The true happiness and peace in this life, the paradise in this life is that it doesn't matter in what situation you're in, up or down, difficult or easy. You still find peace in your heart. That's what people are trying to buy. That's why some people, they give up their wealth and they go any other way because they don't find the happiness there. Of course, poverty is not something that's good. An extreme wealth that leads to miserliness is also not good. But our mindset and our approach lies in, a, in the peace that lies inside of our hearts. And that requires us to be honest, my brothers and sisters. We've gone through two years of a COVID virus, a pandemic, which has truly brought out different things in different people. Some people got closer to Allah through it. Some people resorted to argumentation and insults against one another. Some people even disconnected their family ties and their friends because of what opinion they follow. Some people even brought the virus to include Aqidah, the religious beliefs themselves. I don't know how this has resorted to such a losthood, subhanAllah. How is a virus or a vaccine connected to our belief system, our Aqidah, the belief in Allah and His Messenger? This has never been before in the history of Islam. Certainly it wasn't like that in the plague at the time of the Prophet Yet for the first time, somehow, we managed to even call each other disbelievers or hypocrites based on religion that we connected to the virus. My brothers and sisters, this is a test for us. This is also a trial. And inshallah, it will be lifted. There is no calamity. There is no disease. There is no virus that stays. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always lifts it. And then comes another trial. What did we learn from it? I will not tell you. Each person has to reflect upon himself and herself. Allah says in the Quran that on a day of judgment, people's deeds and work will be taken out from inside their hearts and their minds. Nothing will be hidden. The inner, the inner honesty, the inner feelings of a person which they hid in this life and tried to justify on the outside in front of people, Allah will release that and reveal it. And Allah will say, Allah says, on the day of judgment, each person is actually a witness against their own selves. Your own body, your mind, your heart is a witness against you. That's the witness for you or against you. It doesn't matter how many justifications or excuses they drop. Alqa means they drop. And when you use the word Alqa in, in the Quran or in Arabic, it means it's insignificant. You drop it. It doesn't mean anything. You can say all of that. It will not work on that day. So my brothers and sisters, first and foremost, we need to be honest with ourselves. We can say that we love Islam. We can say we love Allah. We love his messenger. We can talk so much about our deen. Our deen is already honorable in itself. It doesn't need anybody to prove how amazing it is. But I can tell you something. You and I, you and I are the ones who are being tested with this deen. How much do we adhere to it? How much are we actually honest with it? You know, Iblis, Iblis, the great Satan, the story in the Quran, in the three Abrahamic religions, the three great religions in the world, Christianity, Judaism and Islam, we share this very, very deeply and very almost, almost identical with some differences. And that is Iblis, he was among the ranks of the angels. He knew God better than you and me, but there was something in his heart that was brought out when he was tested with jealousy and competition and pride. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that he rebelled against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he was challenged with something that he cannot handle. Pride and arrogance got to him. So he started to invent justifications to make himself confirm his bias. What is that bias? That he is better. He knows more. Who is this man, Adam, who is made out of soil? I am better than him. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him, you're an outcast. He left. Subhanallah. My brothers and sisters in Islam, no matter what belief a human has, Subhanallah, there is an instinct inside of us that when things happen in our life, we turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We turn to God. We want this higher power.
I told you when the earthquake happened, my mother had COVID and she was, alhamdulillah, she is cured now, getting better very slowly. But she, when she was in hospital and the earthquake happened, the entire hospital shook. And there was an atheist nurse my mother told me about. She became her friend. And this nurse said to my mother, for the first time she asked her, what do you say in your religion when earthquakes happen? My mother just replied, we say, oh Allah, keep us safe. And oh Allah, forgive my sin. Obviously, my mother has broken English, but she said it in that meaning. Forgive my sin, oh Allah, save us. The point of that is how the nurse, who does not believe in God, suddenly asked my mother about a religious question. That question would have not come up if it wasn't for the earthquake. You see, brothers and sisters, there's something instinctive inside of each and every one of us. It's called a fitrah. We are born with it. As the Prophet ﷺ said, Every newborn is born with this natural instinct, this inclination to do what? To feel and sense and turn to Allah, to God, the Creator, our origin. But some of us distract ourselves. He said, وسلم, but their parents, and some scholars said, like the community and society, they turned them. They turned them into another religion or another belief or faith, such as Christian or Jew or a Majin, fire worshipper. My brothers and sisters, we, when you take away all the other beliefs, all the other preconceived notions that you've developed along your life, and you face absolute truth in front of you, you find yourself turning to God. A non-Muslim man, I remember at the mosque, I was at the mosque, this happened a few years ago, a non-Muslim man entered the mosque one time and he looked quite distraught. I still remember his face, subhanAllah. He was in between mid-30s to 40s. He looked uh, quite affluent and he was very well spoken. He came up to me and said, can I pray in your mosque your way? I said, well, do you believe in my way? Do you believe in Islam? He says, no, I've never been taught anything, but I just want to pray your way because I'm in a lot of trouble. He didn't want to talk about his problem, but he wanted to go to any God, any God that is the truth. I'll presume that he would have gone to different other places as well, other places of worship, but he also came to the mosque searching for the true God to ask him to help him in his problem. And you know what he did? He came up to me and said, I want to pray exactly as you pray. So you pray next to me. I'm going to copy you. So he did exactly as my movements. And then after that, he said, can you ask God in the way that you ask him to help me and save me and guide me? And I said the words and he repeated it after me. The man hugged me. Now, you know, Aussies in Australia are not used to just hugging strangers, but he hugged me. So the guy was quite distraught. He was so much in need. And he had, it's as if he had lost all avenues, he didn't know which way to go. So he turned to God. It was instinctive since he was born as a baby. He left. And I thought to myself, subhanAllah, this is exactly in the verse of the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in chapter 31, verse, um, verse 13, Allah subhanahu wa do you not see that ships sail in the sea by Allah's grace, that he may show you some of his signs? Surely there are signs in this for everyone who is steadfast and thankful. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, which means when waves engulf them so they're in the ship and then waves engulf them in the sea like canopies like mountains like hills they call upon Allah sacredly declare their faith solely to him but when he delivers them to safety 
to land. Some of them become lukewarm, you know, indifferent, half-hearted. Enthusiasm dies out. They forget. None denies our signs except the deceitful, the treacherous, and the untrustworthy. See where they were before and how much they needed Allah. And in some people, when they're saved from their calamity, how quick they return back to being ungrateful to Allah. And Allah calls them treacherous, meaning first you call upon me sincerely as it should be. And you connect yourself with me and I save you. And then you betray your own self. Subhanallah. See, Allah did not say that he, you betrayed him. Allah doesn't need that. He betrayed yourself. And Allah is always wanting you to straighten yourself up before you return to him. Subhanallah, this reminded me briefly of an incident with a cable guy. Uh, there was an American dude who came to my house once to fix some cables. This was before the Wi-Fi and all that. And we had a good time. And when we went out, he was about to leave and he decided to stay with me a little bit longer. He says, look, man, you're a good guy. I haven't, you know, I, 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 I meet some people who are dishonest and whatever. And I want to talk to you a little bit. So we started talking from here to there. We got to the topic of religion and he was so anxious and overprotective. He, he, he was defensive, didn't want to talk about religion at all, even though he's the one who opened it up. And so he'd open it up. I'd say something. Then he'd say, OK, stop. I don't I don't want to hear it. And uh, so it was a bit funny. And then he said, look, I've looked through all religions. I used to be particular. I used to be Christian and I was left it and, and saw other religions. And every time it betrayed me. Right. I've, I've had things in my life. Religion didn't do anything for me. So he became an atheist. Subhanallah, the only religion he didn't look into is Islam. The only book he didn't read is Quran. So I tried to introduce to him to the Quran and Islam. He said, no, I, you know, in his American accent, I give up. I, I don't I don't want. I'm sure maybe some brothers from the US are listening. So I'm not going to dare to put on the American accent. And he says to me, I don't want to hear any of that. It's too torturous. I went through too much pain. Leave me at peace as I am. So I left him. And then he sort of paused for a minute and wallahi, brothers and sisters, wallahi, this is what he said to me. He said, but you know what? I feel that sometimes I imagine I've been in sea before. I've been in the sea before on ships. And he says, I can't help but imagine myself in the middle of the ocean. And I feel that when the waves hit really high, you get this fear and this aura and you feel that you're lonely and the ground is empty. Uh, is is, is um, you feel that you're empty on the inside and there's no ground beneath you and that you're just you're just this insignificant speck that could just perish like that so easily with no power at all or authority and he said why he's asking me why why do i feel at like at that time when i think about it that i need to turn to s someone up there you know like like god even though i'm an atheist i mean we just had a conversation he doesn't want to talk about religion He's trying to stop me, but then he pokes me again. And wallahi, he said this exact story as Allah is my witness. And I turned to him saying, the Quran speaks exactly about your image. And that is the verse that I just recited before in chapter 31, verse 32. I'm sorry. He took that, shook my hand and left. Allahu alam, what happened to him after that? But again, brothers and sisters, I just wanted to illustrate one of many examples. It doesn't matter what religion you are. There is an instinctive nature within us. Yeah, people can type a lot of things on the Internet. They can post a lot of words and maybe sarcasm and laughing emojis or whatever they want. But that does not change the truth. That does not change the inner instinct of each person. My brothers and sisters, a young man... I remember a young man, probably 20, between 20 and 25, once came and knocked on my door at home at about 2 a.m. I opened the door. I knew who he was from some friends. Um, and he rushed into my house saying, please help me. He was crying, was sweating, shaking, pale. I took him into the room. And he said to me, well, he asked me a question. He asked, if a person takes drugs and dies of an overdose, not meaning to kill themselves, is that suicide? 
And if that's suicide, am I going to hellfire forever? Because I heard that if you commit suicide, you're not getting out of hellfire. Obviously, I had to be gentle with him because something had gone really wrong. And he was quite emotionally distraught. I sat him down and said, look, I'm all ears. If you want to talk to me, talk. Cutting the story short, he it was Ramadan and he's a Muslim. He says, I've never tried drugs before. But I like girls, I like women, and that's my weakness. There were some Muslim girls who knew him from another friend. They called him, well, his friend called him, says, let's go and meet up and have some fun. After Tarawih, or during Tarawih, sorry. So it was night, says, where are you? He said, meet me at the mosque. SubhanAllah, I'm going to have some fun. At the mosque, in that way, sounds contradictory. So he went to the masjid. Do you know how young people go about doing it? They say to their parents, I'm going to the masjid for tarawih. Some of them, they wait until the prayer starts and leave. Because the shaitan may play with their minds and they make mistakes. And they come back towards the end of tarawih as if they prayed. My brothers and sisters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants you to wake up and be honest with yourself. And that's where it starts. Your parents cannot save you. Your brothers and sisters cannot. Your friends will run away from you on the day of judgment. And even in this life, the only person who suffers the consequence and feels the pain is you. So this brother met with uh, these two young ladies in the car behind the masjid because it was the best hiding spot and the best excuse to give their parents when they come back. And these uh, people had some drugs which they gave him. They challenged him and he felt a bit like a coward because these girls were challenging him and he thought well you know I can't look like I'm scared so he tried a pill and obviously when you first try drugs you really feel its effects until you become addicted to it and later on Allahu Alam what happens many people do die from it he felt something strange he said I had I started shivering I don't know what happened to me I don't want to go into too much about the reactions but these pills are available in the streets they're cheap and they're easy to purchase they even look like candies that's how the evil people attract you and i and other people to things like this by making it look harmless funny and smiley fun subhanallah as allah says in the quran Allah says the shaitan decorates the actions of people and deludes them off the straight path. He ran to me, shivering all the way, sweating all the way. He said, I felt like abusing women because of the amount of hormonal reaction and I don't know what happened to me. So he raced to me. Alhamdulillah, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends someone to you, my brother and sister, maybe they've never spoken to you all their life, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes saves people by sending them to you. Don't ever look at this as something negative, as though to say, well, you've never talked to me in your life, or someone in particular has never spoken to you, never asked about you, but now you come for help. No, no. When everybody else is no longer is all when everything is darkness around this person and they find no one else but you Allah has made you the only light and the door for that person so be grateful that Allah chooses you he comes in and I said to him okay stand up pray with me as we were praying night prayer I decided to recite loudly and as soon as he heard the recitation he burst into tears crying like a baby subhanallah and I remembered the ayah in the Quran where Allah says, Allah says the true believers are those 
So when Allah's name is mentioned, their hearts quake. And when his verses are recited to them, their faith grows. And who put their trust in their Lord? Chapter 8, verse 2. So this brother, of course, after feeling everything had failed him, he had no one else to turn to but Allah. He hears Allah's words. And what do Allah's words do to you? They give you goosebumps. They wake you up. They come to comfort you. That is why the Quran is with us. That is why no one can change it. It is the word of Allah. My brothers and sisters, after the Salat, we lifted our hands up and I said to him, let's make dua. So he made dua for Allah subhanahu wa to guide him, protect him, save him, forgive him. And subhanAllah, after that, he felt at ease. There's one thing that he felt, and I feel that a lot of people, we've all been through it. When we repent to Allah and return back to him, we feel empowered. We feel strong. We feel like we've been renewed. We feel that we have learned something new and we've got new skills and a new um We've got a new beginning, subhanAllah. That's what happens to you. Because you've connected yourself to someone beyond this universe. A lot of people connect themselves to other things. They distract themselves with maybe movies, drug, more drugs, alcohol, maybe more, more harmful and risky things, abusive things to themselves. Some people, they run out of ways of numbing their pain or finding the justifications because everything materialistic is very temporary. And this is one of the causes of what brings people to mental illnesses as well. When they run out of things to um, help them. But even religious people can get mentally ill. Nevertheless, the avenue that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us is keep your connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because inshallah, you have a better chance of staying strong getting through it and insha'Allah growing out of it. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he tells us that he never leaves us. Allah says in the Quran, قُلْ يَا عِبَادِيَ الَّذِينَ أَسْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ Say, oh my servants who have, um, who have gone to extremes against themselves, they blamed themselves, put themselves through so much suffering and they find that there's no avenue for them out. They feel low self-esteem. They feel themselves that they don't belong. They feel themselves that they have lost Everything, Allah says, Just don't despair. Don't give up from something which is Allah's mercy. Allah hides and covers up all your sins. Allah is most forgiving, most merciful. Forgiving your sins and covering them, my brothers and sisters, it means that He helps you gain yourself, lift your self-esteem once again, feel your value once again, give you hope once again in this life and in the hereafter, inshallah, you see your rewards. <coughs> an anonymous, an anonymous, an anonymous young lady who I don't know till today, she once private messaged me with a concern. She said, I've done shameful things in my past and they haunt me every day. I lost myself and I lost my Lord. I didn't know any better. I feel cheap. I feel like I've sold myself. <clears throat> so I reminded her of Allah's same verse. Do not despair from Allah's mercy. But then she said to me, but as a result, I've developed a contagious disease. It's not a deadly one, but it's contagious. It makes your life miserable as a result of doing shameful or indecent acts. It's not curable. And she was concerned. Will I ever get married? Will a man take me this way? What if I get pregnant? Can I ever have children? Will my child get, can, um, will I pass on this disease to my children? I mean, and she kept on looking down upon herself to the point where she thought that she's got no more reason in this life and purpose. Sometimes we go in the wrong way. And we have to suffer some consequences. But it's not the end. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, if you change and repent, return back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah will assist you. And then exercise taqwa. Taqwa means to change your ways and prevent yourself from falling back into these things. Allah says,
وَيَرْزُقُهُمْ مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا يَحْتَسِبُ وَمَنْ يَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ فَهُوَ حَسْبُهُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ بَالِغُ أَمْرِهِ قَدْ جَعَلَ اللَّهُ لِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدْرًا So Allah says, and whoever fears Allah, meaning protects themselves from the things which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had forbidden as much as they can, Allah will open up for them other avenues and other doors in life from the places they never expected. From the places they never expected. And He will provide you and bless you with things from ways that you never imagined. Allah says, you see, Allah has a qadr. There is destiny which Allah has placed and plans which Allah has made for you. He can take you out of your miseries and out of your problems and channel those problems to serve you and be of your benefit. Or he can channel them to be your demise. Allah can do anything. So then Allah says, he reaches his plan always and it never mistakens. He has made for everything a pre-measurement and an estimation. You don't worry about that. Stick with Allah and watch what guidance comes to you. My brothers and sisters in Islam, Alhamdulillah, she eventually did find a man or a man found her or Allah sent that man to her or sent them together. And Alhamdulillah, she explained her problem to him. He actually helped her and found a treatment, Alhamdulillah. But I'm not sure if she ever had a baby. I'm not, we cut off connection from her. But the point of the matter is, my dear brothers and sisters, we need Allah and he calls us to him. And when we fall, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala picks us up. But here's the condition. Yes, Allah is there. Allah never leaves you, ever. He's always there and He's always ready to accept you. But who is the one that needs to make, take the steps? Who is the one that has to make the move? It's us, my dear brothers and sisters. Don't ever say to yourself, Allah is not making a move towards me. He doesn't want me or He's not there. It's always you or I. Interpret it any way you want. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِ إِذَا دَعَانِ فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُوا لِي وَلْيُؤْمِنُوا بِي لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْشُدُونَ Allah says, and if my servants ask you about me, I am close. I will respond to the person who calls upon me when they respond. He wants us to, to call us when they call. Allah wants us to call all the time. But then Allah says, Let them respond to me. Let them come to me. Well, you mean be. Let them firm, let them make their faith and their trust in me firm inside their hearts. Don't move away from it. So that they may find their way out of it. My brothers and sisters in Islam, when a person begins to drift away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from God, from Allah, or not even that. To help us stay on the right path, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls us in four stages, four ways. Remember them. How does Allah call us all the time? And when I say us, I don't mean just Muslim. I mean everybody, all humans. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first of all starts off by showing you and clarifying to you while your health is good, while you're at peace, while you have no significant problems in your life, while things are going normal and good for you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that time gives you simple reminders. The things around you, His signs up in the heavens and on earth, in your life. So you may get uh, watch a lecture or listen to a talk or read something of benefit or go to the masjid. These types of things in your normal life, it is called the call of showing you and clarifying. So Allah does da'wah in lay terms. Allah does da'wah to you. He calls you. And the first way He calls you, as I said, by showing and clarifying. If the person does not return, if the person does not wake up, or if the person is not learning much, or if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants more good in that person, all of these people, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows them a second stage. And that is called the calling by nurturing and disciplining. Even the prophets go through it. 
And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, We will test you and try you. We will make you go through different trials in life. Nothing ever stays the same. We'll keep flip-flopping you from one situation to another. We're going to keep changing things in your life and subjecting you to new things that you didn't have before. Why? Allah says, through things that you look as bad, it would seem to you as bad, and through things which seem as good to you, for one reason. Allah says, fitna. To cleanse you. To take out some things from within you. To wake them up. To make you aware. To sift you. To differentiate, make you realize who you really are and what you need to do to wake you up or to give you new skills, to teach you new lessons, to come out as a person with greater purpose, greater value and greater outlook in life. So my brothers and sisters, that's the second stage. Why? Only for your own good. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did say to the companions in one of the battles in which they had a massacre and they thought that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was going to give them victory. But unfortunately, Allah realized in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew inside of their hearts they were secretly saying to each other, these are companions, it's called the Battle of Uhud. They said, oh, sorry, the Battle of Khan, of uh, the Battle of Hunayn. They said among each other, They whispered to each other, Oh, today we will not lose this battle because we are a small amount. No, today, because they were a large amount. There were many of their soldiers. They've never seen that amount of soldiers among the Muslim army before. So they kind of forgot a little bit about mentioning and remembering that it is Allah who gives you victory and looked at their amount and their numbers. And they said, well, we will be victorious because of our numbers. But unfortunately, they lost the beginning of the battle. They got, some of them got killed and they started running away. And guess what? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was among them. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Abu Bakr, Umar, Ali, Uthman, all of the great Sahabas, Abu Ubaid, all of them were with them. But they still lost that battle in the beginning. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَلِيُبْلِيَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ مِنْهُ بَلَاءً حَسَنًا That's for the battle of Uhud and then the battle of Hunayn. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to try you and make you go through changes that you don't expect in order to teach you in a good way, to bring out good in you. So things may seem bad to us, but actually Allah says it's hasana. There is no bad that comes from Allah, only good. It is only us who interpret things personally in good or bad. My dear brothers and sisters in Islam, in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us sometimes problems and they seem, as I said, good or bad, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls it a goodly trial. So insha'Allah, Follow the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, which says, Ahsin billah. Think well of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala no matter what happens to you. You lose a member of your family, you lose wealth, you lose a loved one, someone among your family or loved ones becomes sick or ill, you fear and you don't know if they're going to live or die. Uncertainties, the uncertainties that we live in today. We don't know which way we're heading, what's there for tomorrow. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, one thing don't do, and that is do not assume negatively about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the first step to insha'Allah being productive and positive and insha'Allah achieving and working together for the greater, for, for good insha'Allah. My brothers and sisters, a car cannot travel a centimeter without burning fuel. Isn't that right? And you and I cannot advance without also being tested with problems that we learn from. That was the second stage. If a person does not return to Allah, or if a person does not learn from it, Allah gives you a third stage, even harder. And that is called the compelling stage. The one where he compels you. He puts you in a situation where you have no other option. Or maybe you do, but you either decide to accept it in this way, or maybe you want to rebel and resort to the wrong ways. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you a taste of suffering or a taste of what we call punishment. It's not the punishment that you get in the hereafter, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does say in the Quran, Allah says, 
we shall let them taste a little bit of the hardship and sufferings in this life. They call it the lower, the lower punishment or the lower hardship or the lower pain and suffering, meaning in this world. Instead of the enormous punishment and pain which is in the hereafter, Allah says, in the hope that they may return. They may return back to Allah. They may fix themselves. Maybe they will learn from it. Maybe they need that. And you know what, brothers and sisters, if you think about your parents, your mother, people who love you, sometimes they need to resort to such measures if they want to protect you when they see you about to put yourself in a dangerous risk. Isn't that correct? So not all things that you are compelled to do, especially by loved ones, it means that it's bad for you, but rather it could be a protection for you. I'm sure some of you have been in that situation where you had to do that for a friend or a loved one, or maybe you're a parent, you had to do that for your children, or any way, any other way, you may have compelled people because you wanted good for them or because you needed to save them. Well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is more merciful and compassionate than our mothers to us. My brothers and sisters, if that doesn't work and you don't return and you don't fix yourself, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then brings that person to the last stage. He lets you go. He lets you go. That part, when he lets you go, a lot of people misunderstand it. What does it mean to let you go? It means Allah leaves you to yourself and to the dunya. You go and find your own way. As for Allah's support, even though he may want to help you, you will not be able to feel it anymore. You know, in Surah Al-Hashr, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says an amazing verse. Allah says, وَلَا تَكُونُوا كَالَّذِينَ نَسُوا اللَّهَ فَأَنْسَاهُمْ أَنفُسَهُمْ فَأَنْسَاهُمْ أَنفُسَهُمْ أُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْفَاسِقُونَ Allah says, do not be like those who forgot about Allah. They forgot Allah. And so Allah caused them to forget who they are. You forget yourself, no longer know what you're here for. And your entire life goes into every, everything you ever knew. The purpose of your life comes into an amnesia. And then you go into just swimming in the materialism of this world and Allah leaves you to it. Allah says, those are the people who have truly corrupted themselves. These types of people could possibly become wealthy. They could possibly become poor successful in worldly things or loss you probably can get what you want after that or maybe not get what you want and so on it doesn't really matter after that it's a person who has lost Allah and has no other purpose but their desires and worldly gain it is their desires that channel them their values they make them up their discipline or their principles well they just choose whatever they want Allah says have you ever heard, O Messenger of God, about the person who makes their own desires, who makes their own self their God, the thing which they worship? Well, this is a person who forgot Allah, and so they've forgotten themselves. But as Muslims, alhamdulillah, we have a firm belief in the following words. Inna lillah wa inna ilayhi raji'un. To Allah we all belong, and to Him we will all return. What does that mean? It means that your body and my body, my wealth and your wealth, our possessions, our entire life, everything, it actually belongs to Allah. Meaning, the one who has the right to tell us what to do with it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because He made it. He created it. So what is our purpose? Our purpose is that it is a trust. We have to look after it. We have to look after it first and foremost by the way our Creator advised us and guided us. And we're allowed to enjoy our desires. We're allowed to be happy and entertain ourselves, but in a way which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with and not displeased with. My brothers and sisters, what is the value of temptation? You know, temptation, desires. A lot of people look at temptation in a negative way. Temptation is not necessarily negative. It depends on how you use it. 
what is the value of temptation if you don't use it in the right way listen to this what is the value of hormones that make you get attracted to the opposite you know to a person who you, who you want to do haram with if you don't stop yourself from that temptation that temptation rises you raises you why because when you go against that temptation you rise you become stronger you become more valuable and you use it in the halal way that's what saved you and that's what makes you higher in the eyes of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without that temptation you have nothing as a challenge you have nothing to climb with you have nothing to oppose in a good way so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us the good and the bad he put the temptation in there for a wisdom that only allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows in depth and its value is known when you are able to use it in the right way and avoid using it in the wrong way that's what makes us different the person who lets that temptation take him in whatever direction they allow it to that makes differentiates you from other people my dear brothers and sisters in islam you know some people will get blessings and wealth and whatever and they say god must love me because i have all of this this is mere an, an illusion as i said before it simply means that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has left you to it you know in a broken relationship where a partner for example no longer cares about the other spouse and they just don't want that relationship anymore they've fallen out of love they don't care anymore about what happened in the past even the pain just they're, they're over it this type of a spouse you can never get them back because they have reached a point called indifference you see we don't want to get to a point where allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at you or me as indifferent in an indifferent way and to Allah belongs the highest examples. And I'm not saying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is like his creation. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does give us that example. In some parts of the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us the example of how he forgets you and leaves you. The Prophet did tell us, whoever wants Allah, Allah will be there for them. But whoever wants this dunya, Allah will leave them to it and whatever is in it. But when you return back to Allah, there is nothing left in the hereafter for you. Nothing installed. So we want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our life and the only way is to return. How do we return? Very simply, my dear brothers and sisters, Allah does not expect perfection. Allah does not expect you to always be obeying him. Allah knows that you're going to fall. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants you sometimes to go through those challenges, but he wants you to come out a better person, inshallah. So how do I return back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Take it step by step. Start with the major things or the minor things, whichever one you're able to, but make a change. The first and foremost is regret. We must regret the bad actions and bad ways that we are aware of. Without regret, it means this insincerity. You're going to, it means that you haven't really repented. So the first thing is that you really got to regret that action. You got to realize how bad it is. You got to realize that there is a punishment for it from Allah. You got to realize that you're missing out on great rewards. You got to realize what it's doing to you and wake up. That's where it starts. That's up to you. The regret comes in and then you turn to Allah either where you are you don't have to make wudu you don't have to make ghusl you don't have to do anything just where you are lift your hands up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and say to him oh Allah I have wronged myself I have done this and cry to him if you can if you don't want to cry that's fine but at least say oh Allah I have done this all my life I seek your forgiveness and guidance and protection and you make a promise to Allah that you're going to make a change if that is sincere and you really do regret, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you a gift. What is that gift? I recited it in the beginning, Surah Al-Anfal. Allah says, and when they hear Allah's name or remember him or his verses, <coughs> they find that their iman rises. <coughs> That's the first sign. <coughs> Your iman rises after that. And you have a feeling of peace. Your repentance is accepted. What if you return back to it afterwards? Doesn't matter sincerely repent again and again and again 
a thousand times, a thousand times. So long as each time you mean it and you're sincere. How do you know that you meant it? Well, you find yourself hating what you did. Can't you say, I, I, I hate myself for it. Well, you don't really hate yourself in that sense, but I hate myself being in that action. So that is one of the greatest signs of Alhamdulillah. So long as you haven't died and so long as the sun has not risen from where it sets, as Prophet ﷺ said, the end of time, your repentance is always accepted. Some people say to me, what if it's shirk? What if I've made partners with Allah in my life? I heard that Allah doesn't forgive that. I've had this question asked to me so many times. Well, yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not forgive shirk, but not while you're alive. While you're alive, Allah forgives anything and everything. So long as you make a true and sincere repentance and you change your life. So Allah does forgive shirk if you return back to him. But if you die with shirk, there is no hope. My dear brothers and sisters, some people, they say, well, is it that simple? What about if you owed something someone? What if you've wronged people? What if you've taken their rights? And you know, with social media these days, we've taken lots of rights of other people, haven't we? A lot of people are not careful and cautious what they write and what they post. They don't know if they've harmed people. They don't know what effect what they post did. And you know, a lot of people now, we're, we're basically the mainstream media, each and every one of us, you and I. And when we type something, that has an effect on people. So make sure that before you post something, before you type something, before you do an action, what benefit will it give? If it's not going to give a benefit, it's not a sin to do it, so long as it doesn't harm anyone. But to be a better Muslim, the Prophet ﷺ said, مَنْ كَانَ يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ فَلْيَقُلْ خَيْرًا أَوْ لِيَصْمُتْ Whoever believes in Allah and the hereafter, he or she will choose to say something that's beneficial, or they'd rather remain silent. Now, if it harms people, you've got to think about it. For the Prophet ﷺ also said, it could be that a person may utter a word, not caring what consequence it has, being careless with it. And usually this is emotionally driven. Or maybe a person has an agenda or some kind of uh, trick under their arms or some personal uh, goal that, and they don't care what, what, what it does to people. Allah, the Prophet ﷺ said, it may be a word that causes that person to fall into hellfire. The distance of what it would take 70 seasons to pass. 70 seasons. My dear brothers and sisters, that's a very important point. So if I harm people and I want to repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what do I do? Well, I need to try and find a way to fix what I've done wrong. The rights of people, brothers and sisters, are different to the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I remember one, I'll give you an example. I remember one friend back, this probably 20 years ago. He was uh, about 25 and wanted to repent to Allah after living a bit of a, you know, a sinful life. He said when he was about 16, he stole a pair of jeans, Levi's jeans from one of the stores here in, in one of the streets here in, in, in Melbourne. He said that was seven, eight years ago. And he says, I don't know what to do. I want to repent to Allah and this is their right. This, this shop owner wasn't even Muslim. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not forgive even the rights that we take away from doesn't matter what religion they are. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what did I say to him? I said, okay, you've got to find a way to fix it because Allah does not forget these things. They're still written. So what should I do? I said, can you go to that person and pay him, if he still owns the shop, pay him for the pair of jeans? He said, if I do that, I might get in trouble. I don't know how he's going to react. I said, very well. If trying to fix something is going to cause more of a problem, you've got to find another way. So I said to him, well, how about you put, do you remember how much it was? It's about 70 bucks. I said, put the $70 inside of an envelope, write a little letter to him and say, and anonymously, long time ago, I stole a pair of jeans and this is the money for it. He said, that will work. So he went when the shop was closed and he whacked it under the door. And alhamdulillah, it solved it. Now, there may be other ways, other things that you and I have done wrong. Maybe I can go back and fix it. Maybe I can erase a post that I put that may have caused harm. Maybe I can retract a word that I wrote or something that I said about someone. One person once called me up and said, I feel bad because I've spoken about, you know, someone I love. What am I going to do? And he was crying deeply. You know, he, he broke my heart. I said to him, 
Okay, you don't have to tell that person, but give a sadaqah on their behalf, make dua on their behalf, and go back to where you, um, you know, slandered them or talked about them and try to fix it. And the person said, I can't do that. I feel like I have to tell that loved person. I said, okay, well then go ahead and tell them. But choose your words, inshallah, and get through it. Alhamdulillah, it worked. Sometimes you're not able to go to that person. Sometimes you're not able to give that right. Sometimes you forget. Sometimes you don't even know what it was. Maybe it was a long time ago. Well, this is what you can do. If you can't find them, and if going there will make it worse, then you've got to go back to the people or to the place or to the place where you corrupted this about that person and try to talk good. So, for example, it's backbiting or gossiping. Try to talk good about that person. If you can't do that, then give a charity on behalf of that person. Make dua for that person. And every time you have an opportunity, if their name comes up, speak good about that person. And if you do meet them one day, try and do something good for them, even if you don't have to mention what you did wrong. And if they do know what you did wrong, you must apologize to them. You must seek their forgiveness. You must try to make it up. And if they don't forgive you, that's their choice. They don't have to forgive you. But at least you've done something that on the day of judgment, you can use. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can use that and say, look, this is what they've done. And how about the other person, the victim? How about I give you such and such as a reward? And they'll say, yes, but what do I need to do? And Allah will say, this is actually an authentic hadith. He'll say to them, um, its price is to forgive that person. In fact, I have to correct myself. The hadith is a little it is weak, but it has other hadiths which support it, which the scholars have accepted as something that its meaning is correct, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will compensate even the victim if he knows that the person, the perpetrator, has repented and tried to do good about it. There is always a way out, my dear brothers and sisters. Always. Lastly, I say this. Sins. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives sins in two ways. There are minor sins and major sins. For a Muslim, with minor sins, there are things that we do on a daily basis. All right, I'm not going to go into the minor sins, but, I, but, but a little hint about that is that where the Quran and hadiths don't mention punishments to them, right? They don't talk about them in a very uh, strong way, very tough way. You looked at something haram, you said a word that was you know, a lie or you swore or you might have gotten angry and said something. You might have had a little fight with someone and then inshallah you fixed it. Something minor. Uh, when I say fight, I mean there's minor fights and there's big fights, right? So it's the minor ones. Um, so minor sins that people do on a daily basis, these things, they go away so long as you continue to do good deeds, so long as you're praying your five daily prayers, so long as you are doing charity, so long as you are speaking well, so long as you're making dua, so long as you're reading Quran, so long as you do good unto others, right? As Allah says in the Quran, Continue praying your days and also in your nights and do good actions of good deed for good deeds wipe away bad deeds. In fact, the Prophet ﷺ said to Mu'adh, Ya Mu'adh, uh, 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 Whenever you do something wrong, follow it up with a good deed, any good deed, and it will erase the bad deed. So follow it up. Don't just let it, they're accumulating, brothers and sisters. So that's for the minor sins. They go by doing good deeds automatically. Then there are the major sins, right? They're the ones that have a punishment to them in the Quran or in Hadith, right? Such as usury, if you... You know, such as zina, a person makes adultery or sleeps around, for example, cheats, you know, on, on, on their spouse, for example, um, uh, zina, uh, theft, uh, all these things. These, there are many major sins, and these major sins have to be done through sincere repentance, as I mentioned before. True regret. Repentance to Allah, ask Him to forgive you. Change your life. Promise Him never to return to them. And that way, inshallah, and then you've got to follow it up with good deeds. You've got to follow it up with changing your life. If you don't make a change, then there's no point. So my brothers and sisters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ghafoorul rahim. He wants you to return to him. And those who follow the temptations, they want to turn you away from him. The shaitan gives you false promises and only, and he only promises you to delude you. And on the day of judgment, he will say, I'm innocent from you. I merely invited you and you responded. So my dear brothers and sisters, monitor your emotions, monitor your temptations, monitor your intentions, especially on screen. Monitor your eyes, monitor your ears, your mouth and your fingers. Think before you type. 
think before you act. Will it please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? If you can do that, then you'll find yourself soon becoming a new character, a new person with new habits. And insha'Allah ta'ala on your way to meeting Allah with a peaceful heart, a peaceful end and great rewards in which there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more tests, no more worship forever and ever in paradise. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cure the sick. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala heal the pain of all those who are suffering. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive our sins. May Allah have mercy upon those who have passed away among our loved ones and among our friends and among our community. My dear brothers and sisters, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you. Please do not forget us in your dua. Thank you for listening. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.